Hello everyone, it is Brian here again from Bryden Firm, that's B-R-I-D-E-N firm.com, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the reading of The Wizard of Oz, and I would like to invite you to our two fireside chats, Mondays at 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern, it is Growing Your Family Tree, where I help you get started finding family and ancestry for free. And you can find that at firesidechat.com forward slash growing your family tree. And Thursdays, same time, 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern, you can join us for our Ride and Firm Fireside Chat and that is at firesidechat.com forward slash bride and firm fireside chat. Big mouthful, I know. Hope you did enjoy today's reading, and I hope to see you at our Growing Your Family Tree, and perhaps also our bride and firm fireside chat, Monday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern. Hi everyone, it is Brian here at Bryden Firm, B-R-I-D-E-N Firm.com, and I am reading The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And I missed last week, so I apologize if you were expecting it and it didn't materialize. But this week, Chapter 12, The Search for the Wicked Witch, is what I will be reading. And I'm using Gutenberg.org, the Project Gutenberg ebook of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, with a release date of February 1st, 1993. And I should say, the reason that I didn't read last week was because I had a head cold from which I am recovering. So I'm not sure how well I'm going to do this week. But with no further ado, reading chapter 12, The Search for the Wicked Witch. The soldier with the green whiskers led them through the streets of the Emerald City until they reached the room where the guardian of the gates lived. This officer unlocked their spectacles to put them back in his great box, and then he politely opened the gate for our friends. Which road leads to the Wicked Witch of the West? asked Dorothy. There is no road, answered the guardian of the gates. No one ever wishes to go that way. How then are we to find her? inquired the girl. That will be easy, replied the man, for when she knows you are in the country of the Winkies, she will find you and make you all her slaves. Perhaps not, said the scarecrow, for we mean to destroy her. Oh, that is different, said the guardian of the gates. No one has ever destroyed her before, so I naturally thought she would make slaves of you as she has of the rest. But take care, for she is wicked and fierce, and may not allow you to destroy her. Keep to the west, where the sun sets, and you cannot fail to find her. They thanked him and bade him goodbye, and turned toward the west, walking over fields of soft grass 
dotted here and there with daisies and buttercups. Dorothy still wore the pretty silk dress she had put on in the palace. But now, to her surprise, she found it was no longer green, but pure white. The ribbon around Toto's neck had lost its green color and was as white as Dorothy's dress. The Emerald City was soon left far behind. As they advanced, the ground became rougher and hillier, for there were no more firms nor houses in this country of the West, and the ground was untilled. In the afternoon, the sun shone hot on their faces, for there were no trees to offer them shade, so that before night, Dorothy and Toto and the lion were tired and lay down upon the grass and fell asleep, with the woodman and the scarecrow keeping watch. Now, the wicked witch of the West had but one eye, yet that was as powerful as a telescope and could see everywhere. So as she sat down in the door of her castle, she happened to look around and saw Dorothy laying asleep with her friends all about her. They were a long distance off, but the wicked witch was angry to find them in her country. So she blew upon a silver whistle that hung around her neck. <coughs> At once, there came running to her from all directions a pack of great wolves. They had long legs and fierce eyes and sharp go to those people said the witch, and tear them to pieces. Are you not going to make them your slaves? Said the leader of the wolves. No, she answered. One is of tin and one straw. One is a girl and another a lion. No, none of them is fit to work, so you may tear them into small pieces. Very well, said the wolf, and he dashed away at full speed, followed by the others. It was lucky the scarecrow and the woodman were wide awake and heard the wolves coming. This is my fight, said the woodman. So get behind me and I will meet them as they come. He seized his axe, which he had made very sharp. And as the leader of the wolves come on the tin woodman, swung his arm and chopped the wolf's head from its body so that it immediately died. As soon as he could raise his axe, another wolf jumped up, and he also fell under the sharp edge of the tin woodman's weapon. There were forty wolves, and forty times a wolf was killed, so that at last they all lay dead in a heap before the woodman. 
Then he put down his axe and sat beside the scarecrow, who said, It was a good fight, my friend. They waited until Dorothy awoke the next morning. The little girl was quite frightened when she saw the great pile of shaggy wolves. But the tinman told her, told all. She thanked him for saving them and sat down to breakfast, after which they started upon the journey. Now, the same morning, the wicked witch came to the door of her castle and looked out with her one eye that could see far off. She saw all her wolves lying dead and the strangers still traveling through her country. This made her angry and more than before, and she blew her silver whistle twice. Straight away, a great flock of wild crows came flying toward her, enough to darken the sky. And the wicked witch said to the king crow, Fly, fly at once to the strangers, pet out their eyes, and tear them to pieces. The wild crows flew in one great flock toward Dorothy and her companions. When the little girl saw them coming, she was afraid. But the scarecrow said, This is my battle, so lie down beside me, and you will not be harmed. So they all lay down upon the ground, except the scarecrow. And he stood up and stretched his arms, and when the crows saw him, they were frightened, as these birds were all, always are by scarecrows, and did not dare to come any nearer. But the king crow said, Ha! It's only a stuffed man. I will peck out his eyes. The king crow flew at the scarecrow, who caught it by the head and twisted its neck until it died. And then another crow flew at him, and the scarecrow twisted its neck also. There were forty crows, and forty times the scarecrow twisted a neck until at last all were lying dead beside him. Then he called to his companions to rise, and again they went upon their journey. When the wicked witch looked out again, all her crows were lying in a heap. She got in a terrible rage and blew three times upon her silver whistle. Forthwith, there was heard a great buzzing in the air, and a swarm of bees came flying toward her. Go to the strangers and sting them to death, commanded the witch. And the bees turned and flew rapidly until they came to where Dorothy and her friends were walking. But the woodman had seen them coming, and the scarecrow had decided what to do. Take out my straw and scatter it 
over the girl and the dog and the lion. He said to the woodman, and the bees cannot sting them. This the woodman did, and as Dorothy lay close beside the lion and held Toto in her arms, the straw covered them entirely. The bees came and found no one but the woodman to sting, so they flew at him and broke off all their stings against the tin without hurting the woodman at all. And as the bees cannot live with their stings, when their stings are broken, that was the end of the black bees, and they lay scattered thick about the woodman, like little heaps of fine coal. Then Dorothy and the lion got up, and the girl helped the tin woodman put the straw back into the scarecrow again, until he was as good as ever. So they started upon their journey once more. The wicked witch was so angry when she saw that her black bees in little heaps like fine coal that she stomped her foot and tore her hair and gnashed her teeth and then she called a dozen of her slaves who were the winkies and gave them sharp spears telling them to go to the strangers and destroy them the Winkies were not a brave people, but they had to do as they were told. So they marched away until they came near to Dorothy. The lion gave a great roar and sprang towards them. And the poor Winkies were so frightened that they ran back as fast as they could. When they returned to the castle, the wicked witch beat them well with a strap and sent them back to their work, after which she sat down to think what she should do next. She could not understand how all her plans to destroy these strangers had failed. But she was a powerful witch, as well as a wicked one, and she soon made up her mind how to act. There was in her cupboard a golden cap with a circle of diamonds and rubies running round it. The golden cap had a charm. Whoever owned it could call three times upon the winged monkeys, who would obey any order they were given. But no person could command these strange creatures more than three times. Twice already the wicked witch had used the charm of the cap. Once was when she had made the Winkies her slaves and set herself to rule over the country. The winged monkeys had helped her to do this. The second time was when she fought against the great Oz himself and driven him out of the land of the West. The winged monkeys had also helped her doing this. Only once more could she use the golden cap, for which reason she did not like to do so until all her other powers were exhausted. 
But now that her fierce wolves and her wild crows and her stinging beasts were gone, and her slaves had been scared away by the cowardly lion, she saw there was only one way left to destroy Dorothy and her friends. So the wicked witch took the golden cap from her cupboard and placed it upon her head. Then she stood upon her left foot and said slowly, Ip P Pekaki. Next, she stood upon her right foot and said, Hello, hello, hello. After this, she stood upon both feet and cried in a loud voice, Zizi, Susi, Sik. Now the charm began to work. The sky was darkened, and a low rumbling sound was heard in the air. There was a rush of many wings, and a great chattering and laughing. And the sun came out of the dark sky to show the wicked witch, surrounded by a crowd of monkeys, each with a pair of immense and powerful wings on his shoulders, one much bigger than the others, seemed to be their leader. He flew close to the witch and said, You have called us the third and last time. What do you command? Go to the strangers who are within my land and destroy them all except the lion, said the wicked witch. Bring that beast to me, for I have a mind to harness him like a horse and make him work. Your command shall be obeyed, said the leader. Then, with a great deal of chattering and noise, the winged monkeys flew away to the place where Dorothy and her friends were walking. Some of the monkeys seized the tin woodman and carried him through the air until they were over a country thickly covered with sharp rocks. Here they dropped the poor woodman, who fell a great distance to the rocks, where he lay so battered and dented that he could neither move nor groan. Others of the monkeys caught the scarecrow and with their long fingers pulled out all the straw out of his clothes and head. They made his hat and boots and clothes into a small bundle and threw it into the top of the branches of the tall tree. The remaining monkeys threw pieces of stout rope around the lion and wound many coils about his body and head and legs until he was unable to bite or scratch or struggle in any way. Then they lifted him up and flew away with him to the witch's castle. 
where he was placed in a small yard with a high iron fence around it so that he could not escape. But Dorothy, they did not harm at all. She stood with Toto in her arms, watching the sad fate of her comrades and thinking it would soon be her turn. The leader of the winged monkeys flew up to her, his long hairy arms stretched out and his ugly face grinning terribly. But he saw the mark of the good witch's kiss upon her forehead and stopped short, motioning the others not to touch her. We dare not harm this girl, he said to them, for she is protected by the power of good, and that is greater than the power of evil. And we can do this. All we can do is this, to carry her to the castle of the Wicked Witch and leave her there. So they carefully and gently lifted Dorothy in their arms and carried her swiftly through the air until they came to a castle where they sat down upon the front doorstep. Then the leader said to the witch, We have obeyed you as far as we were able. The Tin Woodman and the Scarecrow are destroyed and the lion is tied up in your yard. The little girl he dare not harm, nor the dog she carries in her arms. Your power over our band is now ended, and you will never see us again. Then all the winged monkeys, with much laughing and chattering and noise, flew into the air and were soon out of sight. The Wicked Witch was both surprised and worried when she saw the mark on Dorothy's forehead, for she knew well that neither the winged monkeys nor she herself dared to hurt the girl in any way. She looked down at Dorothy's feet and seeing the silver shoes began to tremble with fear, for she knew what a powerful charm belonged to them. At, the f at first, the witch was tempted to run away from Dorothy, but she happened to look into the child's eyes and saw how simple the soul behind them was that the little girl did not know of the wonderful power the silver shoes gave her. So the wicked witch laughed to herself and thought, I, I can still make her my slave, for she does not know how to use her power. Then she said, said to Dorothy, harshly and severely, come with me and see that you mind everything I tell you, for if you do not, I will make an end of you, as I did the Tin Woodman and the Scarecrow. Dorothy followed her through many of the beautiful rooms in her castle until they came to the kitchen where the witch bade her clean the pots and kettles and sweep the floor and keep the fire with wood. Dorothy went to work meekly with her mind made up to work as hard as she could for she was glad the wicked witch had decided not to kill her. With Dorothy hard at work, the witch thought she would 
go into the courtyard and harness the cowardly lion like a horse. It would amuse her, she was sure, to make him draw her chariot whenever she wished to go to drive. But as she opened the gate, the lion gave a loud roar and bounded at her so fiercely that the witch was afraid and ran out and shut the gate again. If I cannot harness you, said the witch to the lion, speaking through the bars at the gate, I can starve you. You shall have nothing to eat until you do as I wish. So after she took no food to the imprisoned lion, but every day she came to the gate at noon and asked, Are you ready to be harnessed like a horse? And the lion would answer, No, if you come in this yard, I'll bite you. The reason the lion did not have to do as the witch wished was every night while the woman was asleep. Dorothy carried him food from the cupboard. After he had eaten, he would lie down on his bed of straw, and Dorothy would lie beside him, put her head on his soft, shaggy mane, and while they talked of their troubles and tried to plan some way of escape, but they could find no way to get out of the castle, for it was constantly guarded by the yellow Winkies, who were the slaves of the Wicked Witch, and too afraid of her not to do as she told them. The girl had to work hard during the day, and often the witch threatened to beat her with the same old umbrella she always carried in her hand. But in truth, she did not dare to strike Dorothy because of the mark upon her forehead. The child did not know this and was full of fear for herself and Toto. Once the witch struck Toto a blow with her umbrella and the brave little dog flew at her and bit her leg in return. The witch did not bleed where she was bitten, for she had, for she was so wicked that the blood in her had dried up many years before. Dorothy's life became very sad as she grew to understand that it would be harder than ever to get back to Kansas and on M again. Sometimes she would cry bitterly for hours, with Toto sitting at her feet and looking into her face, whining <coughs> dismally to show how sorry he was for his little mistress. Toto did not really care whether he was in Kansas or the Land of Oz so long as Dorothy was with him. But he knew the little girl was unhappy, and that made him unhappy too. Now, the Wicked Witch had a great longing to have for her own the silver shoes which the girl always wore. Her bees and her crows and her wolves lying in heaps and drying up, and she used up all the power of the golden cap. But if she could only get hold of the silver shoes, they would give her more power than all the other things she had lost. She watched Dorothy carefully to see if she ever took off the shoes, thinking she might steal them. 
but the child was so proud of her pretty shoes that she never took them off, except at night when she took her bath. And the witch was too much afraid of the dark to dare to go into Dorothy's room at night to take the shoes, and her dread of water was greater than her fear of the dark. So she never came near when Dorothy was bathing. Indeed, the old witch never touched water, nor ever let water touch her in any way. But the wicked creature was very cunning. She finally thought of a trick that would give her what she wanted. She placed a bar of iron in the middle of the kitchen floor, and then, by her magic arts, made the iron invisible to human eyes, so that when Dorothy walked across the floor, she stumbled over the bar, not being able to see it, and fell at full length. She was not much hurt, but in her fall, one of the silver shoes came off, and before she could reach it, the witch had snatched it and put it onto her own skinny foot. The wicked woman was greatly pleased with the success of her trick, for as long as she had one of the shoes, she owned half of the charm and Dorothy could not use it against her, even had she known how to do so. The little girl, seeing she had lost one of her pretty shoes, grew angry and said to the witch, Give me back my shoe. I will not, retorted the witch, for it is now my shoe and not yours. You are a wicked creature, said Dorothy. You have no right to take my shoe from me. I keep it just the same, said the witch, laughing <laughs> at her. And someday I shall get the other one from you, too. This made Dorothy so very angry. She picked up a bucket of water that stood nearby dashed it over the witch, wetting her from head to foot. Instantly, the wicked woman gave a loud cry of fear. <coughs> and then Dorothy looked at her in wonder. The witch began to shrink and fall away. See what you've done? She screamed. In a minute, I'll melt away. I'm very sorry indeed, said Dorothy, who was truly frightened to see the witch actually melting away like brown sugar before her eyes. Did, didn't you know the water would be the end? Of me, asked the witch in a wailing, despairing voice. Of course not, answered Dorothy. How should I? Well, in a few minutes, I shall be melted, and you will have the castle to yourself. I have wicked in my day. But I never thought a little girl like you would ever be able to melt me and end my wicked deeds. Look out, here I go. With these words, the witch fell down in a brown, melted, shapeless mass and began to spread over the clean boards of the kitchen floor.
seeing that she had really melted away to nothing. Dorothy drew another bucket of water and threw it over the mess. She then swept it all out the door. After picking out the silver shoe, which was all that was left of the old woman, she cleaned it and dried it with a cloth and put it on her foot again. Then, being at last free to do as she chose, she ran out to the courtyard to tell the lion that the Wicked Witch of the West had come to an end, and they were no longer prisoners in a strange land. And with that, And with that, we have come to the end of chapter 12. If you are listening and have comments here on the Wisdom app, please feel free to click join the conversation button and perhaps tell us which character you relate to the most or what lessons you take from this chapter or what the wonderful Wizard of Oz means to you. If you are here on Wisdom and you'd like to chat about the wonderful Wizard of Oz and the search for the Wicked Witch and the many meanings held in that chapter, Join the conversation, click the button, and we can talk. And if not, oh, somebody's coming up. It is Sarah. Good morning, Sarah. And there Hi. is Sarah. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I tried to push the button as many times as I could before I got up here. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I think that's what the Wicked Witch was trying to do, was push Dor Dorothy's buttons. <laughs> I, like your, I, like your, I like the voices you're using. <laughs> uh, it was... It was a struggle this morning, just getting over the head cold and being able to uh, try to get through the chapter, let alone the voices. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which which character do you think you most connect with or resemble? The witch. <laughs> the witch. <laughs> the, uh, I like villain. I like. I usually like start. I'm starting to like the villains or villainesses of stories in movies right they don't get enough credit that without, they should. With, 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 without them there would be no story exactly it's not going to be exciting <laughs> it's not going to be like oh my god you found your prince yay no, who's going to try and get in the middle of it nobody oh well, that's boring <laughs> give me some excitement give me some action like what the hell heck <laughs> Yep, in order to make the star shine, there has to be some darkness. Mm. <laughs> exactly. The, uh... I feel bad for the people who never put a villainess or a villain inside their stories. <laughs> right? They will not sell <laughs> the way everything else does. Mm. Maybe so, one day. Don't mm -hmm. <laughs> you need an antagonist and a protagonist. It's oh. one of my English teachers once told me. <laughs> <laughs> I hated trying to look for it when I had to when we had to look for it. I'm like, I don't know. 
I just put down people. Right. Right. I'm like, why does it even matter? Because you don't know the protagonist can be the antagonist at the end. <laughs> it could be swapping. It doesn't matter. Like, how are we supposed to know this? Until we read it. The plot twist. The plot twist. The twisted plot. <laughs> yes. The plotted twist. <laughs> like, come on, people. Kinda. Let's get our heads together, okay? Kinda like the twisted branch going off of a tree. You never know where it's going to be until it's done growing. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> very true. Very true. Oh my god! Where is he? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Now we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's mainly what I remember from that story. It's right? like that one spot, one part. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> Barf, bitch, I know. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> you do. You do you do voice as well as as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I try. I try. I practiced and I try again. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, um... Life and life more abundantly. <laughs> so I missed the reading last week because there was just no way that with my head cold and sore throat that I was going to be able to make it. It's okay. Ain't no worries. Right? I'm on chapter 12 now. Yes, you're reading Weathering Heights. Yes. And that is usually at what time? It's at 10, but it's been going on. It's been starting at 1030 because I have to, I'm trying to set things up before then, but then it never works out the way I need it to. So then <laughs> It starts late, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <sighs> so so after 10 Eastern, 11 Atlantic, you can catch Sarah here on the Wisdom app. Yes. So I'm guessing it's like 917 there. Correct. Okay. So yeah. maybe I have to change the time. Yeah. The, uh... I should probably change it for like 930. Well, don't don't change it just for me. <laughs> they, uh... I have because I think I, I know that's uh, you're in a different time zone and um, Julie, We're... truly Julie, and curious and curious anarchist are Jermaine, however, right? Um, well, they're like four hours ahead, five hours ahead of you. Four. I know, right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know which way I'm supposed to do it. Because I know Curious yeah. says he, he loves that story, so mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to make it the way he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, except for a couple of times. That's but, but if we can't make the actual live, we can always go back and listen to the recording. Yeah. I know it's not the same, but... I was about to say, it's not the same, though. <laughs> but you kind of like took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, now get out of my head there. Sorry. Well, I, I, I saw the word. I saw the word just sitting there, so I thought I'd grab them. Well, thank you. Appreciate it because it's slowly but surely coming out, just like not coming out yet. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's still morning there. It's still morning here, but it's earlier yeah. there. Because it's like eight, 18 now here. Mm-hmm. Yay. I heard the birds chirp, and then that's it. And I think I saw a spy balloon or something. I think they're peeping. They're peeping. <laughs> I gave him a show. I'm just joking. So you, you, did, you, did you hear the crows in the reading? I did. You oh, oh, were oh. there for a little while. <laughs> The, uh, the deeper, yeah. like, ah, ah. Some someday, I think I'm gonna make up a little story and put an, animal sounds in it. You should, you know, like walking through the woods, and there you see the owl. We're walking through the woods, <laughs> baby birds. Mm-hmm. Walking yeah. through this time, 
If we could get enough people listening all at the same time, it would be neat to try to tell a story where I read a line and then a guest comes up and makes up a line and then a guest comes up and makes up another line. Oh, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be neat? An ongoing story. Mm-hmm. You just pass, like, it's like passing a joint. Puff, 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 pass. Then go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should do that, yeah. That's fun. And of course, because this is really supposed to be a children's story, you did mean like a joint of an elbow or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, I thought that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you just stretch out your elbow, your arms, and then boom, you passed it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. See that? I can see clearly now. I did not mean. <laughs> I could see clearly now the rainbow, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true, too. I don't know if there's actually a rainbow in The Wizard of Oz, which we would have thought there would have been at some I point. I thought there would. I thought there was. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. You know, this chapter, this 12th chapter, which is basically, there's 24 chapters, so we're now halfway through. The uh, This 12th chapter, when they leave the Emerald City, they take, and this is totally different than the movie, or the movie was totally different than the book, but they, uh-huh. take their, they take their spectacles off. The spectacles with the green lenses. And as they leave the city, her green dress turns to white. And even Toto's, the ribbon on Toto's neck turns to white. Isn't Toto already white? Uh, Toto's a little black dog, but the ribbon on on his neck, while they were in the city, while they had the glasses on. Everything was emerald. Everything was emerald. But when they left, everything turned back. Turned white. As soon as they took their glasses off. So actually, sometimes... Our vision is skewed by the way we see things. Why is that? Yeah. So sometimes it helps. I think the glasses, in a way, were blinders. And they made everything appear a certain way, even though perhaps it wasn't. That's mean. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely speaks to the way that we see things, though, because sometimes mm-hmm. when we're looking at things a certain way, we perhaps see them in a way that they aren't. Yeah, that's true. Hmm? My sissy's in here. <laughs> Eternity! <laughs> so. That is true, though. Right. Because it's like, especially nowadays. Nowadays is kind of like, what the heck? We all, we all think of the main lesson of the book, which there is no place like home. But at the same time, the book is full of many lessons. Yes. Uh, I'd rather read a book than watch the movie. Well. There's so much more to the book. Yeah, so much more details, too. Mm-hmm. And in not too long, maybe in the next chapter, we're actually going to be going into a land that wasn't even in the movie. Yeah. So, it's... Uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved The Wizard of Oz. I've seen the Oz to in school right. i was like how what is, what are you trying to show us mm-hmm. but we saw it around like you know 
February. I remember it was February in chorus. And they were trying to get, the teacher was trying to get us to like, you know, at least get to that pitch that they were doing. And I was like, what the, how? Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Um, I think I was in second grade. No, fifth grade. No, sixth. That, that, that was the live play? No, like we actually just watched the movie. Oh, okay. Gotcha. There actually are quite a few um, additional writings by Frank Elbaum about different aspects and characters um, of the characters and parts of the story. And I haven't read those yet, but I see on Project Gutenberg, which is where the free public domain books are listed, Mm -hmm. that... uh, there are a number of them, and I've often wondered, you know, in my head kind of made up little stories about the Land of Oz, of, of Dorothy, and, and so on, and things where, um, you know, what, what happened? What, what else happened? Because there had to be more. And after The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was written and published, he had so many... I'm presuming to children, but I had so many people write wanting to know more that he actually did additional writings, which I've never read, but I think once I'm done with The Wizard of Oz, then perhaps I'll start and read some of those on here as well. Hey. And then we'll... I use Gutenberg to read the um, Wuthering Heights. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a great it's a great site. I discovered it a number of years ago, and you know, it's, uh, they have this thing on there: three hundred and sixty-five bedtime stories. Oh my God, it goes with your birthday. It's uh, the cutest thing ever. Right? That's that would be it neat. It matches. It matches right. the personality that you are. <laughs> that would be that would be neat. There's all kinds of uh, all kinds of things. Another website that I discovered lately is ArtVartVee, and it gives you free public domain photos. Hey, I see your time is up. Thank you for coming up, Sarah. Thank you. Much love. You You too. Is there anyone else here on the Wisdom app, part of the Wisdom community, that would like to come up, say hello, tell us? how you connect with the wonderful Wizard of Oz, perhaps which character you most connect with, or what lessons you've learned, or how the book or movie has touched your life, your heart. If so, click the Join the Conversation button. And if not, then I'm going to go and do the chores here at Brighton Farm. Remember, you can find information about Brighton Farm at brightonfarm.com. That's B-R-I-D-E-N farm.com. And you can find all of our podcast episodes and videos at brightonfarm.productions. So if there's no one else who wants to join the conversation, I'm going to head out. But if there is, I'll give you one last opportunity to click the Join the Conversation button here on the Wisdom app. And going once, twice, three times a lady. Hello everyone, it is Brian here again from Bryden Firm, that's B-R-I-D-E-N firm.com, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the reading of The Wizard of Oz, and I would like to invite you to our two fireside chats, Mondays at 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern, it is Growing Your Family Tree, where I help you get started finding family 
and Ancestry for free. And you can find that at firesidechat.com forward slash growing your family tree. And Thursdays, same time, 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern, you can join us for our Ride and Firm Fireside Chat. And that is at firesidechat.com forward slash Ride and Firm Fireside Chat. Big mouthful, I know. Hope you did enjoy today's reading, and I hope to see you at our Growing Your Family Tree, and perhaps also our Bride and Firm Fireside Chat, Monday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Atlantic, 8 Eastern. Mm -hmm.